What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Backup Fantasy Sports. It is Thursday, September 1st. Happy September. My name is Ewan, and today we will be getting into some Fantasy Premier League with a Game Week 6 preview. Cards on the table. I am recording this before tonight's Leicester Man United match, but last night was so crazy that I figured I should get the podcast out now. And I will live with the consequences of whatever I miss from the Leicester United game tonight. So what will we be talking about in today's Fantasy Premier League episode? I will be talking about how my team has done in game week five. I'll get into the fixtures, the fixture ticker, like usual, to look at the easiest and hardest schedules coming up between the Premier League teams, get into some storylines that I think are important for the upcoming game week and future game weeks, get into captaincy debate, what I'm looking at from the transfers, and then I will wrap up and get out of your ears. You can follow me on Twitter at UN or UOUT, that's E-U-A-N. You can like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Overcast. But now that that's out of the way, let's get into the episode. So my team is all out with one game to go. Got all my players on the table. I did transfer out Mason Mountain, like I said, in the last episode of Fantasy Premier League. I uh, couldn't take the Chelsea man anymore. Mason Mount out for Luis Diaz. And it didn't work out for me this week, but I am feeling good for future game weeks. I am on 86 points all out there. Uh, Reese James didn't start, but Andreas Pereira for Fulham is coming off the bench after his strange assist into an own goal from Lewis Dunk on Tuesday night. Sanchez with one point for Brighton as they concede a couple of goals and lose their first game of the year. Cancelo got me a goal and a clean sheet. Trent and Perisic blanked. Uh, kept Reese James, like I said. He'll be subbed out for Andreas Pereira's six-pointer. Gross, Pascal Gross and Luis Diaz both blanked for me as well while Gabriel Martinelli got me a goal and all three bonus points as he scored the game-winning goal as Arsenal kept their 100% winning record alive in the Premier League, top of the league for the Gunners. Well done to them. Salah had two assists, in air quotes is what I would say, and he got two bonus points after a ball popped off his shoulder in injury time and Liverpool stole all three points from Newcastle at the death. Gabriel Jesus had a goal as well, but the story of the week so far has been Erling Hall, and as I am going to keep calling him because he keeps getting us a haul of points with another hat trick, this guy has taken the league by storm. Uh, I think we can just lock him in as golden boot winner. He is turning... The game on its head after a whole season of Sala as perma captain, it is game on for the transfer or the captaincy debate each and every week from now on, especially because he is a rotation risk, which did not happen last night, but it feels like it's coming soon. So Holland is phenomenal. He looks incredible on the field. He is always in and around the box wherever. Whenever City kind of are in a scoring position, you kind of just look for that blonde head of hair, and he is usually in the 18-yard or even 6-yard box ready to pounce. He was my captain, so he got me double points 
34 points was huge. 86 points overall. Uh, it has dramatically increased my rank in a positive manner, uh, but it is not over yet as there is still that Leicester and Man United game to go. So what are we going to be looking at on our screens in game week six over the weekend? On Saturday, we have the Merseyside Derby to kick us off bright and early in the early game as Everton and Liverpool play. Then in the afternoon games, we've got Brentford Leeds, Chelsea West Ham, Newcastle Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest Welcome Bournemouth, Spurs Fulham, Wolves Southampton, and then Aston Villa and Manchester City in the late game. Then on Sunday, we can look forward to Brighton welcoming Leicester and Man United versus Arsenal, which is going to be one of the uh, more interesting versions of that game that I will be looking forward to watching for a while as those two teams have been a little bit down and out for a couple of years here, but United on the rise, maybe they can get a result against Leicester tonight, and Arsenal are top of the league, 5 for 5, so good job by them. All the stats I mentioned today are going to come from the Fantasy Football Scout members area, talked about it tons of times, but great website, well worth signing up for if you love FPL like I do. Moving on to the fixture ticker here for the next five game weeks. The easiest schedules belong to Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Leicester, Bournemouth, and Leeds. And the hardest schedules, the teams you maybe want to avoid bringing in players on a wild card. I've seen a lot of wild cards already getting played for game week six are Wolves, Everton, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Fulham. So quite tricky schedules for some uh, much rostered players there with Arsenal and Tottenham and even Mitrovic at Fulham having a tricky task coming up with Spurs and Chelsea in his next two games. But Newcastle, very impressive last night. They are they should feel hard done by to not get a point or even all three points out of that game. Liverpool just pressured, 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 and they eventually broke it down. It was uh, questionable how much injury time there was left in that game yesterday, but there was a fair bit of time wasting going on by Newcastle, so it kind of came back to bite them a little bit. Moving on to the storylines here. So the first storyline I have lined up for today's episode is the other premium. So right now, with back-to-back hat-tricks, Erling Holland is not going to come out of my side until I see multiple benchings in a row, a lot of rotation. I just think he has shown us how what he can do in a short amount of time on the field, that it's worth having him come off the bench for 30 minutes. Yes, you'll have to take a blank or two right on the chin, but I can't imagine going a extended period of time without Erling Holland in my team this season. So who are the other premium attackers that we can get? Last episode, I pretty much ruled out Sung Hyung Min, and I stick by that. I'm, I don't think he is a option right now. He's just not getting it done in the fantasy Premier League world. So the other three we have are Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, and Harry Kane to choose from. Right now, I am I have Salah in my lineup. He's the most expensive. He's nailed, just like Kane. KDB did 
uh, sit for the first time this season last night. He came on, played about 17, 18 minutes, uh, didn't get a return. But he is probably my favorite out of this group. I think that's a little blasphemous to say uh, for people that have been playing this game for a while as Salah has been so reliable and ever-present in our FPL sides. But so he so when it comes to Salah, uh, I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, so I have been watching every minute of every game so far this season, and he's just not there. Like this time last season, we were talking about Salah as a Ballon d'Or um, competitor candidate. Uh, is he going to win it? That kind of stuff, but. Right now, he's just he's not the same player. I think it's easy to say, like, Nomane has influenced this team, but the injuries that Liverpool are suffering right now are really affecting them, especially defensively. Like, they look so shaky, but that doesn't matter for Mo. He's playing a lot more wide this season. It doesn't feel like the driving force behind the Liverpool attack. Even, like, at times watching the Liverpool games, I felt like Harvey Elliott and Luis Diaz have been more integral to Liverpool when they go on the offensive. So at 13 million, Salah is the most expensive player in the game right now. He has, he's very involved, like he still is getting the returns, like he has two goals and three assists this year. His expected goal involvement is 3.67 which is more than Kane and Kevin De Bruyne. Kane is at 3.61, while KDB is at 2.94. But there's just, there's something off. I can't tell if it's like Salah has set the bar so high that when he kind of underperforms, it just makes us all freak out. And he just feels a little bit more human than he has done in the past where he's felt invincible. And every time he gets on the ball, it could be an assist or a goal for the Egyptian king. But right now, it's just not totally clicking. Liverpool are kind of grinding out results. The 9-0 versus Bournemouth was fantastic, but that was Bournemouth. They instantly fired their manager on Monday or Tuesday morning. Scott Parker is no longer with Bournemouth after that 9-0 defeat. But so I kind of went through some of the stats Salah, KDB, Kane, touches in the opponent's half, KDB uh, leads there, touches in the final third, KDB also leads, FPL goal involvement, Kane is involved in 50% of Spurs FPL goals right now, whereas Salah has a third and KDB is at 28.6%, shots on target, Kane leads 10 with uh, 10 shots on target, Shot accuracy, he's up to 52.6%. That's Kane again. And goal conversion has Kane at 21.1%, Salah at 14.3%, and Kevin De Bruyne at 7.7%. And then over the next three game weeks, Salah is projected for 18.7 points, KDB is at 15.9, and Kane is 15.8. So even though like a lot of the stats do favor Salah, there's some secondary stats like not FPL surface stats that favor KDB and Kane as well but I think KDB is my favorite here as he was just benched only played those like just under 20 minutes last night so I think that means he's definitely starting this weekend against Villa 
And they play Villa, Spurs at home, Wolves on the road, and then Man United and Southampton over the next five game weeks. Whereas Liverpool have Everton at Goodison, Wolves at home, Chelsea on the road, Brighton at home, and Arsenal. And honestly, with the way Liverpool are playing right now, with the depth of their squad, it's going to be very tough for them to get five wins out of five from those upcoming fixtures whereas you would expect City to at least go four for five maybe they slip up against Spurs Spurs have kind of had their number recently but Villa Wolves Wolves is when KDB absolutely destroyed FPL managers last year when uh, he had four goals in like a half and then United and Southampton at home should be wins for the team in light blue but yeah, I think with the way that Liverpool are playing and the way that, like, if you just look how City and Liverpool are playing right now, KDB is probably going to be more involved in more goals for City than Salah will be for Liverpool. I think Salah's going to get more minutes. He's very nailed, even with the Champions League coming up. But I still believe KDB can outscore Salah over that stretch. Plus... For Kane, it would take, for me right now, I do not have Harry Kane in my team. So it would take two transfers for me to get him in my side. And I think it's a little scary to have that much dedicated to the forward line. Because I still think Holland and Gabriel Jesus are locks for the front line. So you could use that money you saved for Mo, and you can upgrade another defender or another midfielder. And then also get... Archer up to the Mitrovic Tony area and even the new Newcastle signing who looked super impressive last night I think it was Isaac hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right there he looked very composed probably should have had a second goal I'm still not sure that was offside on his second goal attempt there but Kane is nailed he's got he's gonna have the most minutes between him and KDB him and Sal is pretty much gonna be dead even and I think he feel Kane feels like the most likely to return every week, but with getting more piece more pieces of the Man City pie is very important for FPL right now, and I think KDB is certainly an avenue to get that. So another storyline is I'm just kind of I'm not sure if I'm stealing this. I, I'm just expanding on it so on the always cheating podcast brandon was talking about little big at the back him and josh have been debating how big at the back do you have to go in the 2022-2023 season it's been very interesting conversation definitely encourage you to go listen to those couple of episodes uh i think they had they were talking about it with their game week for preview podcast and then last weekend Ed Gray came on and him and Brandon were expanding on that so the idea that Brandon had is the idea is to still play four or five at the back but they don't have to be the massive premium assets and the more information we get as the season rolls along the more I find myself agreeing with Brandon on this topic Trent has failed to impress in four of Liverpool's five games Cello's two attacking returns were an own goal assist, and then last night he had a thunderbolt of a strike, but it had an expected goal of 0.05, 
Rabo keeps getting subbed off for Simicast. James is getting the return, but Chelsea still feel a little bit off at the back right now. They've just signed Wesley Fafana, so hopefully that will help the issue and also secure Trent as the right wing back moving forward. But or not Trent, James, as the right wing back for Chelsea moving forward. But he is also dealing with an illness right now as he had to sit out the Southampton loss on Tuesday night. And then we've got Perisic at 5.6, we've got Trippier at 5.1, Saliba's 4.7, and Dunk is 4.6. Now, Dunk just scored an own goal to cost his team the game against Fulham on Tuesday night, but still great value, and I think all of those guys are viable FPL assets right now. I'm not trying to say, I don't think Brandon was saying this either, that you need to get rid of Trent, Cancelo, and Rabo. That is a little too much in the other direction for me. So I think if you just want to keep one of these three, even two of these three, I I currently still have Trent and Cancelo in my lineup and I think I'm leaning towards getting rid of Cancelo eventually. I'm just not sure if it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. Could be on a wild card. I'm thinking this week, with Perisic playing the entire game last night for Spurs, I think I'm going to move down to Trippier as I was talking about in the fixture ticker part. Newcastle has the easiest stretch of fixtures over the next five game weeks. Meanwhile, Spurs are going to start... Champions League football, and we know Conte has about 23 wingbacks that he can rotate Perisic in and out of. And for Newcastle, those games are Crystal Palace at home, West Ham on the road, Bournemouth at home, Fulham on the road, and Brentford at home. So three game, three home games out five. They've even got West Ham on the fixture ticker as a gray game right now. And I'm not sure, it might be more blue for me than... Uh, blue is an easy on the fantasy football fixture ticker compared to the red, which means difficult and avoid. But yeah, West Ham being a gray, I'm not entirely sure if that is accurate. So I think it's tough to sell Trent as well, uh, just with how many teams he's on. But like I said, certainly thinking about getting Cancelo out on my wild card. I don't think I'm going to burn too many free transfers just to get him out, especially Coming off of a 12-pointer last night with a goal and a clean sheet, it's kind of tough just psychologically to transfer out a guy that just did the business for you. And then the final storyline for this week is wildcard draft. Already seen a lot of people talking about the wildcard. I know uh, Fantasy Football Scouts and FPL Black Box as he activated his wildcard before this game week. And I, he is a great FPL manager. I love listening to him and his analysis. But that was a little crazy for me as he, there's just, there was so little time between game week uh, four and game week five to get that wild card done and activated and kind of finalized. So I don't think I'm going to do that for this week either. Just, the game week ends tonight, Thursday, pretty late. So then I would only have Friday before a Saturday, early Saturday kickoff to get a wild card put together and finalized. But 
I did put one together just to see how it would look. So what I ended up with just on a quick draft is Sanchez and Everson in goal, Trent, Reese James, Kieran Trippier, Saliba, and Nico Williams at the back, KDB, Luis Diaz, Wilfred Zaha, Gabriel Martinelli, and Andreas Perea in the midfield, and then Holland, Jesus, and Mitrovic from Fulham up front. I know Fulham have a couple of tough fixtures coming up this over the next couple of game weeks with Spurs and Chelsea, but then after that is Forest, Newcastle, and West Ham. So it could be a couple of tough, difficult, rocky games for Mitrovic, but he's scored against Liverpool, he's scored against Arsenal, he scored again against Brighton, who had given up the least amount of goals throughout the season so far. So if there's someone that's fixture-proof right now, it's Mitrovic. I mean, Holland is a whole other level, but at 6.7, Mitrovic is definitely worth a look on every wild card, as is Ivan Tony. That's why I wouldn't really go Harry Kane as my other premium, because there are these other forward options this season compared to last year where we were all like just so thirsty for a forward to provide us some points and it just never happened. But this year is the year of the forward trademark always cheating like they say on their podcast too. So I think I would play a 3-4-3 most weeks with that wild card. Sub in Saliba and, and Neko whenever they have a good matchup or my starters would be questionable to play with uh, KDB, Diaz, and uh, Zaha and Martinelli mounting the midfield, and Holland, Jesus, and Mitrovic probably banging me one or two goals every week with that lineup. But I am not going to go there right now. I just, the way I play, like I want a whole, I kind of want a whole week to put together a wild card. Uh, That's how I would ideally do it, kind of chase some, I think it was Sam Bomfield on the FPL podcast last week made a great point that when you activate your wild card, like you can kind of chase price rises and avoid price drops, kind of build up your team value, that kind of thing. Uh, if you play F1 Fantasy, which I will be doing a podcast on tomorrow before the Netherlands Grand Prix, uh, that's you can kind of like do the same thing. You activate a wild card and you chase all these price rises with the drivers and the constructors and you build up team value and you get to spend it a lot more easily than in the FPL game, but it does make for some good strategy. So I think that's why I'm still leaning towards activating my wild card either after... I don't think I'm going to be doing it game week after game week six. I'm going on vacation next week on holiday, so I will not be doing a game week seven preview and I'll just be kind of tuning out hopefully just putting a bus team together and enjoying the holiday as the season kicks into high gear with fantasy football season also starting it'll be nice to have a quick getaway but yeah so then I'll come back and then maybe after the game week eight we've got the international break have a lot more time to put together a wild card chase some price rises that sort of thing and just have a whole like eight weeks of data will be a lot more to go off of than four or five uh, that we have right now. So captaincy, I'm thinking 
I'm seriously considering Luis Diaz this week against Everton. I'm hoping we can get some team news from Klopp before the fixtures lock in the press conference, that kind of thing. Because I have a weird feeling that Diaz could be a rotation risk. Uh, I saw Curtis Jones warming up last night. I saw Joel Matip had a bib on. He was on the bench. Uh, Tiago's getting closer. Jota's getting closer. Nunez is going to be back from suspension. So that could be interesting as well. I would think Nunez would come in for Firmino, personally, as Firmino doesn't usually play three ga- like three solid games in a row. So... We'll see if uh, Klopp gives anything away in his press conference. But per FPL data on Twitter this morning, Luis Diaz had 9.8 expected points last night, but he only scored two. So I feel very good about Diaz's involvement, how he's looked in the side, uh, and the fact that it is Everton, it is a Merseyside derby, and I think Diaz is just like, he just seems like a type of player that's going to thrive in that environment, hostile environment. Uh, just his fire and passion at Anfield is great. And to see him kind of like back against the wall and Goodison is going to be fantastic. And I hope that he comes through. Uh, He seems to cut in a lot more than Mo right now. And Liverpool, they just might need that moment of magic against Everton with how they're playing. They've had a couple of moments like that already with Diaz even providing one against Crystal Palace earlier in the season. But yeah, Everton probably going to set up to park the bus, the low block, and Liverpool will have to break them down. And Diaz has the capability to produce that kind of magic needed in a Merseyside derby. Uh, But yeah, like I said, Diaz could be a rotation risk. I hope not. Uh, But Liverpool do play in the Champions League next week. Halla, Holland. I just combined Holland and Salah's name right there. Holland and Salah are always options too. But just, I've got like, there's some bad juju going around Salah right now. Bad vibes, not not really feeling it. And Holland seems like a likely candidate to start on the bench against Villa. Like I was saying earlier, even in 30 minutes, he could put away two goals and make us look like idiots again. He scored six goals inside 70 Premier League minutes over the last two games. So it's risky to get off of him as well. But right now, I'm, I had a weird, like this is hindsight talking but I remember hearing a stat before game week four that Bournemouth gave up, gave up the most crosses from on their left hand side and Trent had the most crosses and I was like huh Trent should have a good game yeah Trent had a great game wish I'd captain him so looking to find a little nugget about Luis Diaz this week and not make me feel better about my contrarian captaincy pick that I am currently thinking uh, about as of 8 a.m. on Thursday morning, September 1st. And that's going to do it for the Game Week 6 preview podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at you in or you out. That's E-U-A-N. The Rotoballer Roundtable, hoping to get that out this week. It's going to be a tight turnaround getting the questions in today. Hopefully get some answers uh, from the guys, but that's on me as I organize it and I have not gotten the questions to them yet. You can like and subscribe to this podcast on Google, Spotify, Apple, Overcast, all those fun spots. The Game Week 6 deadline is this Saturday, September 3rd, 6 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. UK, 12 p.m. Germany time. 
Like I said earlier, I am on vacation next week, so no Game Week 7 preview for me. I'll be back for Game Week 8 right before the international break and potentially time to play the wild card. So it'll be extremely interesting to see how things shake out over the next couple of game weeks. But once again, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time.